Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan and the family. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. All right, guys, you ready to crack open the Bible and get back in business? Yes. Yeah, the book of Hebrews today, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting right through this Bible. Hebrews is a really good book. Do you know what the book is for? Hmm. The book was written to the Hebrew people to explain to them about Christianity. So it's going to help us understand how we go from the law to obeying Christ and being Christians, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so this is going to be really good. So let's kick it off in chapter 1, verse number 1. And this first part is about Jesus Christ is God's son. Here we go. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us of our sins... He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any of the angels what he said to Jesus, You are my Son. Today I have become your Father. God also said, I will be his Father and he will be my Son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, he said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to his son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with the scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. That's really good, guys. That tells us what angels are, right? Yeah. We've often wondered about what angels are and what they do. This tells us they're yeah. here to take care of us who are going to inherit salvation, right? Wow. That's why when we pray, angels come and help us like they helped Jesus in the garden when he prayed, right? Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. That's amazing. So let's move on to chapter number two. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm 
and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. And furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place the scriptures say, What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Or a son of man that you should care for him? So this is asking the question to God. It's saying, God, what, what are human beings that you should care for them? And who is the son of man that you should care for him? Mm-hmm. Yet for a little while, you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and gave them authority over all things. So that's talking about us, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's saying that God made us a little lower than the angels but then he crowned us with glory and honor and gave us authority over all things when we believed in Jesus. Jesus gave us his authority. Now then it says, all things, it means nothing is left out. It's talking about everything on earth, guys. We have authority over everything on earth. All All things. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. So right now we don't have all things under our authority, right? Right. We can't tell it when to rain and when to stop raining, and we can't have that. But it says someday we will. When we're in heaven. Yeah. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. So they're, they're telling us here that Jesus is an example of how we're supposed to live, right? Yeah. He died on the cross, and then he rose from the dead, and he lives in heaven now. We're going to do the same thing. We die, but then we raise, and we live with him forever. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. So we're God's children. And it was only right that he should make Jesus... Through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he made holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. We're, we're Jesus' brothers and sisters. Right. Yeah. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him, that is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. That's why Jesus has a body, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted to be like like us. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death? That's good, guys. Really good. Yeah. Only this way could he set free all who live their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 
So now we don't have the fear of dying, right? Right. Because we know dying means we just get to go live with Jesus. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself had gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. That's very good. So God knows what we went through because he was a human. So now he knows how to help us in our times of need. Yeah. Very good. Chapter number three, guys. Jesus is greater than Moses. That's what this next chapter is going to talk about. You guys know that? Yeah. Moses is a pretty cool guy because he was under the power of the Holy Ghost. But Jesus is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful to God's house as a servant, His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. You guys understand that? You're God's house. Yeah, he's building us every day better. Yep, he lives inside of us and he's building us better every day. He changes us. He makes us appear different. He helps us to be different on the inside, just like a house. And so we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So our hope is in Christ, right, guys? Yes. Yeah, Christians don't just hope in what we want. We hope in Christ. He's the one who holds all of our faith, and he's the one that we have our hope in. Yep. This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There their ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath that they will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. That's very important, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to be evil or unbelieving. Amen. Yeah. Turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. That's our responsibility to remind each other not to sin yeah. and not to be hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. 
I want to. I want to share in all that, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus got everything. He's got the everything. whole world in his hands. Amen. Yeah. Well, we got the Holy Ghost. Thank God. That's Him trying to help lead and guide us through our life, so that we will inherit all the things of Christ. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it? who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice. Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? You guys would think about that. These are the people who saw right. all the water turn to blood. They saw all the plagues, and they saw God deliver them out of slavery, and they still didn't obey him, and they hardened their hearts against him. That's God trying to tell us in our life that we better make sure we remember what God does for us and don't turn our backs on him. And it was them who made God angry for 40 years. Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? Because they all died in the wilderness. They never got to go into the promised land because they didn't obey God. And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, They were not able to enter into his rest. So that's telling us, if we don't believe in God, if we don't obey what he tells us, then we're not going to be able to enter into his rest. We're not going to be able to live in the spirit and enjoy our life in Christ. Right. That's important. Chapter number four. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. We, we want everybody to experience that, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Rest is a good thing. For this good news that God has prepared the rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So what do you think he's talking about, his place of rest? Heaven. Yes, heaven. But also we find our rest in Jesus. In Jesus. Yeah, so it's it's talking about like a peace inside, like a rest, like everything is at ease. Christians have that. The world doesn't have that. Even when things are going crazy in our life, we still have peace. We're at ease because we find our rest in Jesus. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in other passages, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. 
For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. That's important, guys. You understand that? Yeah. He knows what you think. He knows how you feel. He knows when you're going to mess up. And he tries to help us from doing that. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness. That's good, guys. He understands the weakness. For he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Wow, that's powerful. Grace is such an important part, guys. Grace helps us live righteous before God. That's like being able to be sin-free before God, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It requires grace in us. So if you don't want to sin, what should you pray for? Grace. Exactly. Good job, Saul. Thank you. Chapter number five. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He represents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with arrogant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the others. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, whom said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's a cool name, and I get that one right because I've heard it enough. Melchizedek. Oh, Melchizedek. Melchizedek. He was a high priest. He was a high priest that Abraham gave his offerings to. And he was a representative of the priest to come, Jesus. So at the end, it's like a deck of cards. A deck of cards? Yeah, because it has deck. Oh, yeah. Melchizedek. Yep. Yeah. Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, He offered prayers and pleading with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. There is much more we would like to say about this, 
but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food are, is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That's powerful, guys. We got to be like that. We don't want to be like infants. We want to learn lessons and be able to move up in spiritual with God, right? Yep. Amen. Chapter number six, everybody. I think this is going to be the final one for this Bible study, and then we'll, we'll cut it in half, and we'll do the rest of Hebrews next Bible study, okay? Okay. Yeah. So let's get into it. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamentals of the importance. Now listen up, guys. He's going to tell us the fundamentals of Christianity, okay? okay. These are the basics. These are what every Christian should understand, even if you just became a Christian. It says we don't need to talk about the fundamental importance of of repenting from evil deeds. That's something that's important, right? Yeah. And placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism and the laying on of hands or the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. So those are basic things, right, guys? Yeah. If you're a Christian, you should automatically understand repenting from your evil deeds, placing your faith in God, and, and baptism and laying on of hands and the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Yeah. This is why we yeah. turn to Jesus, right? Because mm-hmm. we know we're sinful. We know we're not. We need him for our faith and salvation. We need yeah. him to, we need to be baptized into his identity. And we lay hands on because the Bible commands it. That's yeah. good. Right. Yeah. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tested the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessings. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless, and the farmer will condemn the field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for the other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. For example, 
there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath on his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, the oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who fled to him for refuge will have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of the favorite words all love. Say it. Mal. Malchizedek. Malchizedek. Yes. That's the end, guys. Yeah, you guys ready to go to pray? Yes. yes. Yes, everybody, please bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with us. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow us to focus on you, Lord. Let your word be a foundation that we can build our lives on, God. We worship you and praise you and thank you for this time spending in your word and in your presence, God. Let your spirit touch the lives of everyone who hears this that you will show your love to them today in a mighty way, that they can feel your arms wrap around them and express the love that you have for us, God. We worship you and praise you and thank you for everything that you're doing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We love doing this, and we can't wait to do it again with you guys. So until next time, may God bless you.